0: I'm pleased to have uh, Michael and Amelia Howard uh, in the studio. Uh, and um, second hour, I believe we're going to try to talk a little bit about Mayor Rahm Emanuel's food summit that he had last week. And I know Michael was a, an attendee, one of the fortunate people to be there. That that was not an easy ticket, was it, Michael? Oh,
1: no, that was not an easy ticket to come by. And it was a, a fortunate uh, opportunity for us to go and be able to share not only with the uh, Uh, the mayor of Chicago, but, you know, there were almost 20 mayors from around the country in attendance as well. So they got to hear quite a bit from the uh, food growers on the south side of Chicago. That's great. Uh, and, And I want to talk more about that because it's
0: not without controversy either.
1: Oh, no. Uh, Chicago is a town built on controversy. What would it be like to live in Chicago without controversy? No, you
0: got to have your controversy here. And it doesn't seem to matter who's the mayor. No, it doesn't matter. It just, controversy continues. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, Michael uh, and Amelia Howard are here in... Studio. I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you flip that around. You grab that microphone, Amelia, and, and ha- Michael will grab that. Because uh, I want you both uh, to speak here. Uh, we... Michael and I have known each other uh, for a number of years. In fact, you were on my program when I was at uh, Gargantua Radio, down the dial. Exactly. And uh, you've been on with Mike Sanders on mm-hmm. uh, Our Town. Uh, and um, you're um, you're kind
1: of a South Side icon, whether you want to be or not. Uh, well, that is something that uh, seems to continue to follow me wherever I go. Uh, it's amazing. I was just in D.C., and uh it was amazing to find out so many people on the hill actually were anticipating my arrival and so uh my 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 reputation definitely precedes me i i have to apologize for that
0: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 need to apologize for that at all i mean uh, you are um the driving force uh behind uh Eden Place Nature Center in the Fuller Park uh neighborhood and you know I would ask you to explain it but I want to turn the mic over to Amelia because I saw you guys on uh, at the Open Lands annual luncheon uh on Thursday where you were given uh an award I've even got my uh, my little program here and uh, Michael received the Conservation Leadership Award um but I was moved by Amelia, who was moved as she was speaking, and I want uh, you to tell the folks about uh, in in short, your experiences over the last fifteen years or so in putting Eden place together because I know Michael waxes poetic on it all the time <laughs> but but you're 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 kind of the behind the scenes person, and you've been there every step of the way. What does it mean to you?
2: It's like uh watching a dream come true. It's um painting a picture and sort of filling the dots in and, and the color and and it's it's been a long process. It's it hasn't been an easy process, but it's been very enjoyable.
0: Well I I know that um you know, you've you've been kind of an inspiration to me, Michael, because when I first interviewed you was the first time I had a sense of the problems associated with soil in Chicago, meaning mostly lead, but there's other contaminants in there. Um... You basically, what, lived across the street from a landfill that was about two stories high? Is that correct?
1: That is correct. For uh, over 35 years in Fuller Park Community, there existed this illegal dump site that would just appear and disappear and appear and disappear over the years. Where did it go when it disappeared? Uh, That was also a mystery. Uh, (laughs) Big trucks would show up and uh, cart it or either move it to the side so that more could be dumped there. Uh, We basically... uh, just had a, a a real history of acceptance for too long in Fuller Park until uh, my wife and I and other residents decided uh, after that his uh, health report that the, that we were the most lead poison community in Chicago that enough was enough. And
0: I've had a similar. Uh, thing happened to me this year because uh, if, if regular listeners to the program know that I started a community garden in my own neighborhood in Logan Square mm-hmm. and it's not in the fancy part of Logan Square by any stretch of the imagination it's uh, the n- not very fancy part and there was a, a, a lot at the corner and we wanted to, to work on it and before we did having listened to you years ago um, and talking to other people and knowing a lot more than I did then I did a, a lead test of the soil in my my own backyard in my garden where i 've gardened for ten years, and it was through the roof
1: it was through the roof and and that is one of the despairing things about uh, urban soils period across the 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 whole continent and across the world uh, when when you had this uh, industrialized age that we all went through all over the the world uh polluting the environment in so many ways and even uh on commercials, we, we spread all types of uh, pesticides and chemicals on our lawns and on our bushes and on our roses, thinking that this was the right thing to do. We did not understand how we were poisoning the terror that we depended on so much to sustain us. Uh, and you found this in, across the street
0: from you. What what finally snapped? What made you just say, "I'm I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take
1: it anymore? Okay, this is actually the honest-to-God truth. Uh, my, my youngest son uh, at the time, uh, when we moved back to Fuller Park... We had actually gutted the house that my wife grew up in, and we had rehabbed it totally. So everything And you there, had to be careful about that because it was probably chock full of lead paint, wasn't it, was, it? It was chock full of lead paint. And probably some asbestos? Oh, definitely asbestos and some other stuff that I really don't want to mention. But <laughs> <laughs> but what really got us was that after we moved our family into this totally renovated home, my son's lead level started going up through the roof. And my wife was like, I don't know where it's coming from because the doctor says it's the peeling paint and the flaking paint, which was always the assumption in, in those days. And I said, we don't have any peeling paint. We don't have any flaking paint. So where is he getting this lid? And so I started uh, going back to my background as a property manager way back when, when I managed over 400 units of affordable housing in Austin. And that same problem would would, hit, would, would come up with a lot of uh, tenants that I had rented to in these brand new units. And what I found there Uh, I suspected also in Fuller Park that a lot of the children during the summer months especially, playing in these empty vacant lots in the sh- city of Chicago would inhale uh, n- an enormous amount of lead through the dust that they would kick up in those vacant lots. But then also, we also tested our water because I knew the infrastructure in our community was old, really old. And there we also saw the lead levels going through the roof. And it took us a while to convince the city that that was one of the main contributors, contributors to the lead levels. In our Where,
0: community. How does the uh, lead get into the water?
1: Well, uh, our community, I know for sure, was built right after the Chicago Fire around the turn of the century, and what happened was uh, Fuller Park at that time of the Chicago Fire was not in the city proper. That was considered the country, and so <laughs> oh the city the city limit stopped at Persian Road, which is 39th Street, which also happens to be the north boundary for Fuller Park, and so when the city changed its fire codes and would not allow people to build with anything but stone, uh, a lot of people couldn't afford to build with masonry they moved out into the suburbs and they uh, were very ingenious on uh, scavenging whatever they could from the chicago fire so a lot of the uh, water lines and um, infrastructure that was put in at that time actually included uh, wooden pipes that were sealed with lead and oakum it also included lead up the yanging because it was a cheap uh, material to build with at the time, and it was readily available from all the industrialization that was going on in and around Chicago and Indiana. And so all of that lead and all those old wooden pipes uh, just filled with lead oakum to keep them sealed were had been in the ground since the Chicago fire and had not been changed out. And so our, our water supply was truly contaminated. And are there still pipes like that in operation in the city i do believe in some of the older communities uh, that are like fuller park who didn't have much of a political uh, voice or strength to continually to get those type of revenues to come in and, and keep the infrastructures up to date i do believe we still have that uh, in and out somewhere in the pockets of chicago and so it's really imperative that community people all across the city you know pay attention to their water test their water to make sure that that uh, it's not having that much lead. But the only unfortunate part about it is that the majority of homes in Chicago still have at least 30 to 40 feet of lead pipe supplying their water because from the city's main, even if it's a brand new city's main, what, what they call the corporation cock. The house has to make a connection with lead pipe uh, that has not been replaced, you know, in over almost 100 years. And almost in every instance around the whole city of Chicago, that 30 to 40 feet from the city main water line to the building, whether it be a single flat or a a multi-unit building, it is a lead pipe. My house is
0: 125 years old, so I'm guessing I got a lead pipe coming into the house. most (laughs)
1: definitely do. I can put money on that one.
0: I don't even have to bring you there to look at it. (laughs) I gotta talk to Ron Cowgill from Mighty House and get that thing replaced. Um, We're talking uh, to uh, Michael Howard and uh, Amelia. Howard is here in the studio as well from Eden Place Nature Center. Um, So here you've got uh, this uh, lead. Uh, I assume you had the soil tested across the street, and that's where you found out that the levels were astronomical.
1: Oh, the lead uh, was one of the main issues that we found, but we also found other heavy metals. Uh, We found cadmium. We found uh, mercury. Uh, uh, abundance <laughs> of uh, as, uh, asbestos that actually came from the construction debris. In uh, in our community, it, I had noticed it uh, many times uh, personally. When they uh, demolished the house, they didn't. To put it on the truck and cart it away they actually ground the house into the basement if it had a basement and they just covered it with about three inches of some soil they they brought from somewhere else and went away so all of that contaminants that were the house was built with were just buried in the ground and it leached during rain periods and they got kicked up when kids would go across that play line.
0: That was a play lot, it was a, an, an old
1: basement just exactly. with, with the remains, the rubble from the house oh, underneath yeah. the soil. Oh, yeah. Actually, some of those basements, the foundation walls were never removed, and they actually still exist. And so the kids playing there all summer would dig down into that basement uh, because they played in that lot, because it had all the right ingredients for a good game of baseball.
0: So you said this has got to stop, uh, and you're in a neighborhood that had traditionally... Not a lot of clout. No clout. And you probably didn't have any at the time. So how did you make this happen?
1: Oh, my wife and I, we uh, started taking our family to every city meeting, every budget meeting that the city would put on the agenda where the public was invited. And we started uh, basically advocating for a more healthier, fuller park. And so it wasn't really until I actually had some pictures of city contractors doing some actual dumping Mm -hmm. on this same lot. And I also had some very large pictures blown up of the old legs that held up the elevator train in Chicago that the same contractor had left. On the site, so it was really you know irrevocable proof that a lot of this dumping is being done by city contractors, and that was the turning point when the city decided, what do you need? What do you want <laughs> so uh, we weren't politi- what do you demand we weren 't politically savvy enough at the time to know how to respond. We just said we want it cleaned up. And so my wife and I started doing a community cleanup on Saturdays, uh, trying to entice the kids with hot dogs, free hot dogs, if they would come and help us clean up this debris.
0: Our phone number is 773-838-9278. If you you have a a question or a comment from Michael Howard and later in the second hour, I'm definitely going to want to take some phone calls. Uh, about um, the uh, food summit in Chicago last week and food insecurity and food deserts as they call them and some people respond negatively to that name and or that phrase and I understand that but uh, we we will talk a little bit about that but I want to get back to the story of of Eden Place Nature Center so it's one thing to get the city to finally recognize that you can't just dump tons of stuff in front you know across the street. Which it just seems weird. But um I, I understand it. Uh so you get them to stop.
1: Then but the problem is you've still got this ground and it's still contaminated. Yeah, the big problem came was how do we remediate this, and so I contacted the the EPA on the federal level, and I contacted the city's Department of Environment, uh, who at the time was very responsive. They did come in and help us at least uh, find a lot of the dumpers uh, once we got uh, that connection made. But, oh wait! So it was still some. Were you getting the flyby nights there coming oh, in? Yeah? Yes, the flyby nights were still coming even after we. Well, got because in. they were used to it. You hey, know? that was, the that, place was to go. that was the place. Yeah, <laughs> everybody knew, and it was surprising. You know, and so what that, do you mean we can't dump here? We've been doing it for decades, okay, and that was the attitude. One guy actually got out of the truck said, "Man, I don't know what your problem is. You know, I've been dumping here forever. So what? What are you? What, what are you mad about? You don't live here?" I said, "Yes, I do." I say, I smell everything you dump. I say, I I breathe all the dust every time you dump. I say, I wake up in the morning and see what you've dumped during the middle of the night. So, you know, don't tell me I don't live here. I say, you don't live here. And that's why you're dumping on us. And so it was it was a a really uh, different kind of a time to go through that, uh, to change the culture of these local uh, contractors who was just used to dumping there and getting away with it. And I'm sure that was a a long, hard battle.
0: But again, still, you had to—you wanted to do something with the that land. Uh, When did that idea germinate?
1: Well, the idea came about once we started getting all of those all of that debris cleaned off, and I saw the expanse of open land, and I said to myself, you know what? The community doesn't even understand the environmental injustice that they've been living with for five decades. They don't understand the ramifications of all this ill health that that, that they're living with. We should put uh, some type of learning center here where we can educate the community and the greater city about environmental injustice. We can educate them on environmental issues. And when I started talking about that at the, at the monthly community meetings and bringing up the idea of this environmental learning center, you know, most of my community looked at me like I was crazy. It's like, man, we don't need no environmental center. You know, we need somebody to help us pay our rent, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you don't have to worry about your rent if you're dying from cancer. Well, didn't, didn't it come up in the Open
0: Lands Luncheon, uh, the idea that uh, black folks sometimes think that environmentalism is a white folks' term?
1: Oh, too, too many uh, black people around the country still believe that, you know, environmentalism is a white people thing. And, you know, those tree huggers, you know, they need to get a life and not really understanding that if we're not protecting the planet that we live on, we're not having much of a future for our, our youth that's going to come you know, behind us. And so that's been like uh, my wife and I's main mantra to, to galvanize people of color. And to introduce them to the world of environmentalism, and, and and make them understand that they have to be part of this, you know. And there are some there are some um, some reports that I have found out that that actually state that people of color are more willing to be taxed for environmental issues if it's about cleaning up a neighborhood, if it's about getting some healthy food in the neighborhood. Uh, so that that is promising. It's just that they've always been so used to. Other people being the the, the 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 clarion callers and banner you know holders in the street uh, and not themselves and so we're trying to make more uh, people of color get involved. So fast forward a little bit and you um, uh,
0: started renovate, uh rehabilitating the uh, the space really and um, I imagine you capped it with soil.
1: Well, that was the the, the the biggest surprise that we found out when they did the, uh, the the city did the environmental phase one report that they presented to us and said, "Well, it is polluted, but it 's not polluted enough to be uh, considered for federal funding and i 'm like what you mean we can 't really clean it up like it needs to be cleaned up." It says, yeah, it's not contaminated enough. And oh, I had never darn heard it.
3: that. I had yeah. never heard that.
1: I didn't <laughs> understand. I mean, like, I'm not sick enough for treatment? <laughs> do, you
0: mean, do you mean that uh, uh, it has to be so contaminated that a dog that accidentally wanders onto it has to explode? Yes, he has to explode. Yeah. Our
1: dogs just wandered off and, and died in a the corner. They right. didn't explode. That's no, they have to explode. And so we couldn't pass that litmus test. And so we did work with the Department City of Chicago's Department of Environment, and we came up with the solution to encapsulate Eden Place with an 8-inch barrier of new topsoil from a proven source. You, did, did you use clay
0: at all? Because I understand the n- newest technology involves using a, a layer of clay first That you, because, uh, as you know, lead doesn't move very readily in the soil. It's not going to go through that. And then putting topsoil on top of that.
1: Well, we didn't go with too much lead because we were pretty much lead um... I'm not lead but clay-based uh, soil from the beginning. Most of what was there was really heavy clay, and so it already didn't allow for much drainage. And uh-huh. So we were concerned that if we put another barrier yeah. that was impenetrable to water, that we would have flooding problems and leaching problems, which was going on down the street in the city park. I won't get into that one. Uh, we had That's a, lot a of, whole other issue. That's a whole other issue we dealt with. But what we came up with was a, 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 a series of Channels and uh, drainage uh, with, that's been buried in, in and underneath the new uh, foundation of, of soil to drain off all of the rain that we get on Eden Place.
0: And then, uh, you know, you started winning environmental awards and uh, all <laughs> kinds of things, and kids started coming, and butterflies uh, started happening, and you even had wetlands there. And you, I mean, you, you, you really did transform that lot into... Uh, you call it a nature center, a park, whatever
1: you want to call it, a garden? Um, all well, we, of it. We, we get insulted when people call us a community garden. We are not a community garden. <laughs> well, I didn't use that phrase. I'm, no, no. I'm just clarifying it for the Chicagoland uh, population Eden Place Nature Center is an environmental learning center, and you're invited to come down. My mm-hmm. wife is a pre K teacher, so tell them about your children, Amelia, when you would bring your children over to learn about nature.
2: Uh, we have a, a group of three, four, <clears throat> excuse me. Three, four, and five-year-olds, and during the year we uh, bring the caterpillars into the classroom, and they they watch them change and turn to butterflies. And at the end of the school year, we do something. Well, I called it Free Willy Day, but uh, we take the butterflies over to Eden Place, and we release them uh, at Eden Place. And it gets to be a, a, a traditional thing that the kids love to do, and we talk about the butterflies, and and I uh, tell them if they see the butterflies in the neighborhood, they can't harm them or anything. You can't catch them; and just enjoy their beauty, and they enjoy it immensely. It's like a, a big celebration for them.
0: That's wonderful, and the fact that you can even do this now <laughs> yeah. at the park, right? Right, especially at um, that location. And you have had. Uh, uh, um, Specials done for you, PBS, and, and uh, I mean, this is, as you said, you go to Washington and people know who you are.
1: That's got to be kind of gratifying. Actually, it's humbling, uh, Mike, to tell you the truth, because basically... We're st- we're still at ground zero as far as we're concerned. Yes, we have won national awards. We have uh, international uh, uh, attention from people uh, all over the world, and they come and they visit and they ask us how do we do what we do because they want to do the same in their own countries. We had the minister of Lebanon come by and spend the entire day with us, and he was so impressed he asked me to join him on the rest of his tour because he wasn't through asking me questions. We mm-hmm. had 19 scientists from the Middle East come and spend an entire day with us. And we actually gave them uh, an American barbecue because they wanted to experience the American culture from an African-centric uh, standpoint. And so we gave them an Afri- uh, African-American barbecue that blew them away because <laughs> no, they, blew their minds. they yeah. really <laughs> didn't understand you know, what they were going to get when they got to Eaton yeah. Place. But after they he- heard the story, watched the video, ate the food, and sat around on our grand lawn. It was, it was about 10.30 at night, and they were, they were ready to go get a, another case of wine. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's time for you to go, gentlemen. I said, I've been here all day. I'm really tired. But uh, those, those scientists have become friends, and we, we correspond with them quite regularly. Uh, they're always quizzing us on, in terms of what we're doing next and our innovations. And that's the thing I think that has really made Eden Place special is the way we've been able to innovate with nothing. And the problem with that is people think you're doing so good they don't, they don't support you. We've done all that we've done without a building, and that's what I want to make Chicagoland people understand. We're trying to raise a million dollars to build a building.
0: You, know, you deserve to have somebody just hand you a million dollars right now for all the work you've done. You've done uh, several million dollars worth of work. Uh, not just for the, that community, but for the whole city. And, uh, you have people from other countries coming to look at it, just being an ambassador, uh, in that regard and a teacher. Um, so any of my listeners have a million dollars they, they want to hand over to Michael. Um, you just, you just contact me, okay? Uh, give me a holler. Um, I'll launder it. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. Seriously, no, don't contact me. Go to, um, Eden Place uh, Nature Center, and that's uh, EdenPlaceNatureCenter.com. dot com, and you can uh, see all the good work. Some of it's up on my website, MikeNovak.net. dot net. This week's show, I've got links and some photos up there. All right, I'm going to take a phone call, and then uh, before I let you go, uh, we got to talk about the summit this week because that's that's an important thing. Let's go to the phones and uh, guess who? It's Santo, the bus driver. How you doing, Santo?
3: I'm okay. Um, good morning. A beautiful beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah, over well here. at least
0: it's not the, there's no snowstorms here.
3: I love it. Anyways, listen to me. Uh I just kinda like uh got in real late on this uh conversation over here uh and I and I listened to the gentleman talking over there and uh he was talking about the pollution. Remember how he said the ground wasn't polluted enough to be get federal grants and da 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 and I don't know if you remember back in the seventies when they had that new earth. Remember that new earth they were taking that sludge out of the canals. And then they put, used to pile it over there on First Avenue, and the people were taking it and, and put it on their gardens, and they were growing uh, tomatoes the size of footballs, you know. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, well, I just like he what he was. i was just kind of like uh, talking about what this guy was talking about about how the government said it wasn't polluted enough, and you, you know, and
0: it's polluted just fine. I'm, actually,
3: wanna, I'm, I'm almost kind of using like the race card over here. Because it's, like, not good enough for one, but it's not good enough. You know, so, you know, some people get uh, squashed by the government or they're not uh, being uh, uh, taken care of when they should be. And there was that thing back in the New Earth when these people on the east side uh, made this big garden. And I remember it. I remember it. I was, you know, because I'm a, from the Well, well you know was, what? Uh, uh, let me just let me explain this real quick. Sure. And they, and they built this big garden and they they cleaned up their neighborhood, and cleaned up this yard, and they grew these tomatoes with this new earth, and then the EPA or government came in and said they had to destroy everything because they had all this uh, heavy metals, MTBEs, and, you know, dioxins in their that was grown through the plants and inside the tomatoes. Well, they made these people destroy everything. But in the same sense, they never said nothing about the Alabama farmers and the Mississippi farmers that were taking these barge loads of this stuff down for these big sharecroppers down in southern united states and shipping it back up north for us to eat anyways <laughs> you know so you look at that government thing you know it's almost like people should when they're doing this stuff they Maybe not even get the government involved. I'm hired to be, you know, a knucklehead when I say this stuff. But you know, sometimes it deters too much on what you're trying to do for your community, and then all of a sudden you get they throw a rag in the gears over here. Yeah, well, you're you trying know, trying to do a good thing, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, San, some some things have changed and some things have not. And, you know, and what's changed is, uh, and it's a, it's a whole nother conversation, and that's biosolids about mm-hmm. what we pull out of the water, um, and we'll ha- we treat it now. And some people. I've talked to soil scientists who say this is the future—that mm-hmm. we have to figure out what to do with our waste because we can't just keep dumping it, and we have to—we have right. to re- oh, yeah. remediate it. But that's re- very different from what happened in the '70s, um, and that's a really good story, and I and I appreciate it, and I'm I'm always happy to have you listen to the show, Santo. Okay. Take care, buddy. Bye. Bye. Um, this is the Mike Novak Show on Chicago's Progressive Talk AM and FM. We're going to wrap up with uh, Michael and Amelia Howard from uh, Eden Place Nature Center. Final question, our final topic here is, okay, you were at the big summit with Mayor Rahm Emanuel this week. <clears throat> and as I said earlier, there's a little controversy involving that because uh, Michelle Obama was there and and CEOs and mayors from other cities and is very... F- Fancy stuff. And there are some people who get really and and see, you know, when I say CEOs, uh, Walmart, Walgreens, there are people with boots on the ground who get really nervous when you start talking about Walmart and the fact that they just gave a million dollars to growing power. And some people said, oh, yeah, well, they've been totally bought out. Uh, and co-opted, and you were invited to the table. Give me your impressions of uh, that meeting uh, and what was said.
1: Well, I I really believe that the the people that were invited from the community and from the grassroots not-for-profits that are doing the food um, uh, piece in Chicago had a lot to share with the mayor and all the other uh, CEOs and other mayors in attendance, and I don't think that... uh, they the other visiting uh people understood the politics and the dynamics that are going on in Chicago in regards to this food issue uh because they really uh behind the eight ball themselves a lot of them came from areas that were agricultural uh and so they 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 they, they made a good point of sh- of sharing that even though they're surrounded by fields and fields of either corn or sorghum uh that they're not uh they're not uh too far from being a food desert themselves, uh, because everything they eat is trucked in. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of enlightening. But the mayor I think uh has, has has a job in balancing uh from his perspective uh what he thinks corporations can do. Uh our problem is that corporations put us in this whole mess in the first place bingo and so uh you can't just continue to do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results i mean in my world that's called insanity uh when you think you're going to get different results from doing the same thing over and over again and so what we're trying to do is to show the city that we have a process if given the proper resources, where we can provide jobs that are sorely needed in our community, we can find we can provide a, a, a clean source of good food that's grown by local growers, and not even uh, only provide food for families, but provide food for uh, retail and restaurants as well. And so it's it's a big mishmash, Mike, in terms of what was talked about that day, uh, what was covered. Uh, we we each got a chance to uh, showcase case for about five minutes what we were all doing individually, but uh, I I was trying to steer the conversation about what we should be doing collectively. Uh, I don't think that this problem is going to be solved by individual people doing their own thing in in little bitty uh, secluded areas. This has to be a a large-scale movement around the entire city where we're all working toward the same goals. Uh, well spoken. Uh, yeah, a lot of folks are
0: are, are concerned that um, the administration will give lip service to uh, the people who speak like you, which is that the community has to be involved, and then just go back to the same old, same old, mm-hmm. which is big money, big. Uh, pro- you know, I, I, when I hear that, when I when I see bringing in w- w- Walgreens and Walmart and saying <laughs> we're, we're going to solve the, uh, the 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 food problem in Chicago. What comes into my head? Occupy Chicago. Occupy Wall Street. It's like, wait a second. Isn't this why those people are out there? Exactly. This kind of solution? So if you are going to bring in the Walmarts and the Walgreens, you better bring in Michael Howard, and you better bring in Growing Power and Growing Home and 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 Angelic Organics mm-hmm. Learning Center and um, uh, Resource Center mm-hmm. and all the people who have been doing this in Chicago for decades. For
1: decades, yes. For decades. And, and
0: don't just... Nod and smile at them and just say, So, Walgreens, how much money do you have? You know, uh, and because there are studies that show that it doesn 't matter sometimes if the the supermarkets are there, people can still eat unhealthy well, and they, because they don 't know they don 't learn you have to teach them you as well to teach
1: them and, and, and the problem too also with big businesses they 're really centered more around uh, the NOI, you know, net operating income. They want to know how much profit they're going to make at the end of the day, whereby if you have local growers, you know, with a personal relationship with the community they're helping to feed, they're going to have more incentive to do a better job of providing a better product for the community. Well, I could do this all day, and I don't have oh, the time. I got, I'm
0: both. I, <laughs> I've got to get to Rick DeMile. It has been such a pleasure to have you um, uh, back on my show, and it, it was too long, and it, we can't make it this long. No, uh, no, we've got to do it
1: much sooner than yeah, this.
0: Yeah, and um, uh, I. I I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be very honest. I'll cop to it. I've not been to, to Eden Place, so I'm gonna go down <laughs> there. Come. I'm yeah. gonna. See, come. I wasn't gonna come tell come anybody, down. Mike. Because hey, so, you know, we've been there. friends a long time. Uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, <You know>, transparency. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Manuel says he's transparent.
1: He ain't transparent like I'm transparent. Well, we're trying to get him the eating place yeah, as well. So, yeah. so Mayor, okay, yeah. come on down. And
0: then you come up to Green on McLean uh, in my neighborhood and see oh, okay. see it because we did the whole soil thing too and mm-hmm. capped the lead and mm-hmm. put the fabric and okay. you know we're we're and teaching the kids about go. it and the, the, what we learned there. Bravo, bravo. When you bring the kids, they bring oh, yeah. the parents. They bring, they bring, the, bring the, the adults. Parents, well,
1: that's the future. You got to yeah. bring the yeah, kids, yeah. man. You know. Otherwise, you don't have anybody to take over when you and I are
0: gone. Uh, well, when You, uh, you uh, have
2: to come see our chickens and our goats and, and, our, ponies. and our Shetland ponies. I mean, you got to right your bus. In and your, and your in magic the solar bus. Solar the, solar, the magic bus. Yes. That's yes. right. <laughs> magic bus. In the, in the neighborhood. In the, in the hood. All right. Well, uh,
0: that's Michael and Amelia Howard. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, go to their website, com, and we will talk again very, very soon.